In 2017, in Northern California, a series of 250 wildfires burned hundreds of thousands of acres, forcing tens of thousands of people out of their homes. As with this past year's even worse campfire, the results were devastating. Entire towns abandoned, forest and neighborhoods reduced to smoldering charcoal, no signs of life to be found. A picture of despair and loss in somber sepia tones. And yet, the following spring, after the rains, something beautiful happened. Wildflowers exploded everywhere. The blackened earth was suddenly covered in spiky lupine, shiny yellow buttercups and white-globed fairy lanterns. Wild sweet peas and purple snapdragons climbed the gray post that had once been trees or homes. It was wonderful, but no miracle because flowers have followed in the wake of fires for millions of years. Some flowers, in fact, need fire in order to grow, like orange fire poppies and sweet-scented scarlet larkspur. Their seeds can't germinate unless the tissue covering their embryonic root is stripped away by extreme heat. So the seeds go dormant in the soil, waiting for the fire to come, waiting as long sometimes as 100 years. And after a wildfire finally comes, they rest in the fertile ash until the first rain. And then they germinate and they blossom in riotous colors, millions of them at a time. And this is nature's design. After the fire come the flowers. After the fire come the flowers. After great loss comes new possibility and sometimes possibility can only germinate if it is burned in the fire of loss. Loss of comfort, loss of tradition, loss of material things, and sometimes, yes, even the loss of life. Now this is something that Unitarian Universalists, as a rule, are not very comfortable talking about. The idea that it may sometimes be necessary to give one's very life for the sake of something greater than one life. Today, I want to talk to you about two people who did exactly that. Two Unitarian Universalist martyrs one Universalist, one Unitarian. 
Toribio Kimada was born into a poor Catholic family in the Philippines in 1917. One of 13 children, he grew up hearing his parents berating the evils of Bible-reading Protestants. But before he turned 20, Toribio left the Roman Catholic Church and he began worshiping at a nearby Protestant congregation, the Iglesia Universario de Cristo. Five years later, he was called to ordain ministry. Toribio was a gifted preacher and a Sunday school teacher and was frustrated by the lack of teaching and worship resources like religious education texts and hymnals. He began gathering whatever materials he could find. So one day in 1951, a package arrived, and it was wrapped in an old newspaper. It turned out that the newspaper included a listing of Protestant denominations in the United States. He scanned the list looking for an I for Iglesia and a U for Universal. What he found was the Universalist Church of Wisconsin. Sometime later, he happened upon an old almanac that mentioned the Universalist Church of Gloucester, Massachusetts. His curiosity was piqued, and he wrote letters to both congregations. The Universalist in Massachusetts wrote back. And not only did they send a letter, but they sent everything he asked for, including hymnals and books. Here was a faith that seemed to match his own. He hadn't known such a thing existed. Soon, Toribio was preaching the universalist message of a loving God that could never create, let alone condemn, his beloved children to a place called hell. And in the great Unitarian tradition, he began finding and noting all the contradictions in the Bible, concluding that it could only have been written by fallible humans. He would walk four hours through jungles to preach in town squares about a Jesus who was not the divine son of God, but a human being committed to justice and revolutionary love. Not surprisingly, he was promptly excommunicated by his Protestant church. By that time, however, Toribio had gathered a following, especially on the Philippine island of Negros. Nine congregations there followed him to universalism. Over a matter of a few years, the number of universalist congregations in the Philippines grew to 21, all under the leadership of Toribio Quimada. But Toribio's faith called him to do more than just grow churches. As he traveled from congregation to congregation, he encountered poor Filipino farmers whose land had been stolen from them by wealthy families and corporations. He began filing petitions on their behalf and filling out the legal papers necessary to deed their land to them. 
He developed a corporate, um, a cooperative credit union that provided low-interest loans. He spoke up on behalf of villagers who were forced from their land by military troops tasked with cleansing the countryside of potentially anti-government activists. Those who refused to leave were arrested or shot. Now, Toribio knew this same fate could befall him if he persisted, but he did not back down. In 1988, Toribio was looking forward to attending the UUA General Assembly, where the UU Church of the Philippines was slated to become the first UUA member organization outside the United States. But he never made it to General Assembly. Early in the morning of May 23rd, the Kimada home was set on fire. Toribio's family made it to safety, but Toribio himself was cut down by gunfire as he tried to run from the flames. His body was left to burn, along with all that church materials and all that equipment that he had gathered over the years. But after the fire come the flowers. Cheribio's daughter, Rebecca, became the first Filipina UU to receive a Master of Divinity degree and the first ordained woman in the UU Church of the Philippines. Today, there are 29 UU churches in the Philippines. They continue to be engaged in organizing and supporting women, farmers, labor, and poor people. They have played an important role in supporting the Gay Pride March in the Philippines. And they have passed an important reproductive health bill, fighting for environmental justice, and combating domestic violence. They have recently opened an educational center for children in a remote village. After the fire come the flowers. Like Toribio Kimada, Norbert Chapek was born into a Roman Catholic family. And like Toribio, Norbert questioned his childhood faith while he was still young. Norbert Chapek was born in southern Bohemia in 1870, the son of a tailor. As an altar boy, he was discouraged by the lack of compassion and warmth that he experienced in the Catholic Church. And by age 18, he'd left to become a Baptist. He went on to become a Baptist minister, but after only about 10 years, he was again questioning his faith, realizing that the concept of the Trinity the deity of Jesus and salvation by blood were all in contradiction with his reasoning. Norbert wrote to the American Unitarian Association's Department of Foreign Relations to ask for their support in developing his emerging Unitarian faith. But they never wrote back. He was left without any spiritual home. And still he wrote... I cannot be a Baptist anymore, even in compromise. The fire of new desires, new worlds, is burning inside me. 
Well, two years later, ten years after his first appeal to the American Unitarians, he tried it again. And this time, he got a response. Maybe because the situation had changed so dramatically. Czechoslovakia had become an independent country and after World War I, and hundreds of thousands of people were suddenly leaving the Roman Catholic Church. Unitarianism was emerging as a new faith of a new country. When Norbert Chopek's Unitarian Fellowship officially opened up in Prague, over 1,200 people were there to celebrate. Within a few weeks, crowds were waiting outside in the snow in order to get into the church building, where it was standing room only, in a space that was meant to accommodate over 3,000 people. One one American visitor remarked, I've seen lines for food and shoes and other things during the war, but I've never seen a line for church. On the one-year anniversary of the congregation's founding, Norbert Chopek introduced something he called the Flower Communion. It was a simple idea. Everybody brought a flower with them to church, and then they put the flowers into huge vases. Then at the end of the surface, everybody took a flower with them. The individual flowers represented individual members who came together in common cause, in spiritual community. Taking a flower at the end represented accepting one another, regardless of class, race, or any other distinction. The Prague Church grew to be the largest Unitarian congregation in the world. But this would change with the Nazi occupation of Czechoslovakia. Thousands of Jews and intellectuals were rounded up and interrogated. The American Unitarians knew that Norbert was in danger, and they offered him a chance to come to the United States, which he rejected, saying, I cannot leave my people, no matter what sufferings may be involved. After a student-led demonstration was violently put down, Norbert preached that Sunday, and it was a terrible cruelty Ruthless injustice that the cosmic intelligent would allow so many human flowers to be cut before they burst into bloom. That was what he preached that day. Two years later, Norbert Chopek and his youngest daughter were arrested by the Gestapo. He was accused of treason, of trying through his sermons to incite congregants to undermine the Reich. In prison in Dresden, Norbert would write many poems and hymns, including several that are in our gray hymnal. He also wrote these words, quote, When a holy enthusiasm seizes the heart, your face lights up. You feel like a star singing Your very soul hearing your song is radiant 
It was and it will be again. You would embrace the whole world, have peace touch every flower. You would give to yourself away completely to everybody, forgive everything, play host to everyone. You would lift earth to heaven. It was and it will be again. From Dresden, Norbert was sent to the Dachau concentration camp where he stayed for 14 weeks before being put onto an invalid transport and sent to a castle in Austria where he was killed with poison gas and then cremated. But after the fire come the flowers. After barely surviving the years of fascism followed by communism, the Czech Unitarian Church is rising again, training new lay leaders and ministers to rebuild and renew what Norbert Chopek had founded. I was honored to be a presenter for their Unitarian Academy last October, and I felt as though I was witnessing the blossoming of something beautiful that had lain dormant for generations. When times are good, and the only sacrifice required for our faith is to make a pledge, or to serve on a committee, or to sit through a service on a beautiful spring day, it is easy to become complacent and comfortable. But the seeds of courage, even while dormant, must not be allowed to die. Because one day, the fire will come. For many, the fire is already burning. The fires of racism, sexism, ableism, homophobia and transphobia, nationalism, poverty, anti-Semitism, the fire of hate, What does our faith compel us to do? Run from the fire or face it, knowing that we may well be burned, but believing, knowing that sometimes an old landscape must be scorched in order to become fertile again, in order to generate new life after the fire come the flowers <laughs>